you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer, and I am here, as usual, with Matt Hartwell. But no offense to you, Matt. Uh, you are not the most exciting guest on the show today. We have with us basketball expert and analyst with Mason Brew, among other things. Uh, my first time meeting this gentleman, so I'm excited to talk a little bit of hoops. Uh, Kellen Voss, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for having me. I, I appreciate the intro and I appreciate the invite. So, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I when we were talking a little bit before the show, we were all kind of uh, texting each other, DMing each other on Twitter and I said we have to talk basketball, and then I put in parentheses, unfortunately. And, and I, I wish that that wasn't the tone around Michigan basketball right now, but have no fear, listeners. We actually have some exciting and hopeful things to talk about when it comes to basketball. One of the reasons we have Kellen on the show is we want to talk a little bit about next year. We want to talk about recruiting, what the team might look like. Um, and then, of course, you know, I, I think it would be fair to, to start off with assessing uh, this season and how it ended up. And, and uh, Kellen, Jawan Howard has been under a lot of fire, uh, pun intended when I say the word fire. Uh, I, I am not a fire Jawan person. I'm a big uh, believer and supporter of our head basketball coach, but I think the criticism is fair. Um, you know, we're just wrapping up this disappointing season where it looks like Michigan is NIT bound. Uh, what is your assessment of this this team and and uh, this squad uh, this season? I think you're exactly right on the Jawan part of it. I mean, I, I he deserves criticism for how this season went with all the close finishes not coming through, with the rebounding struggles, with the with how weird this roster is constructed and the lack of depth that it has. Um, but this year's season was 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 interesting. It was it was it was it was fun to follow as someone writing about it every game just because you never really knew what you were going to expect. But it was just like, you know, you had these moments where they looked like a team that could make a Sweet 16 run. You know, Hunter Dickinson was was doing what he does. Kobe Bufkin was probably the most improved player in the Big Ten. Jet Howard's a legit lottery pick in the draft. And you had guys like Doug McDaniel, Terrace Reed getting their moments and, and helping you win basketball games. But at the same time, those moments were few and far between. And way too often, this team got out-rebounded. This team turned the ball over in the wrong moments. This team's offense went kaput, just like we saw in the Rutgers game. And it just it was it was frustrating to watch how many times they had close games and didn't pull through on those close games. I mean, they were three and twelve in quad one games, and most of those games were separated by one possession or two possession. This team was right on the brink all year long of like actually, you know, being towards the top of the Big Ten, and they just they they couldn't put it together. And so when it comes to the whole conversation of whether Juwan's in a hot seat or not, I don't think so quite yet. This is two years in a row where they're right on the brink of making the tournament, if you include last year and this year. And I, I like him as a recruiter, and I like him as an individual talent developer, but this year's roster had obvious flaws, and the, the, the in-game adjustments were not there, the late-game plays were not there, and there were a lot of issues. And so the Michigan basketball program's kind of got to look themselves in the mirror. I mean, what, what do you think, Matt? I mean, I think uh, this is just a team that was handed time and time over again, uh, chance after chance after chance to prove itself. I think at the end of the day, it's just a young team that uh, that kept repeating the same mistakes and paid dearly for it, you know, towards the end of the season where you get exposed for doing those types of things. Like, teams really picked up on, like, hey, we can kill this Michigan team in the paint. Like, if we really just like hammer all of our focus there uh they don't really have an answer for it and like the last few games like the the staffs tell themselves you know like we got killed in the paint turnovers were a very costly issue especially in those last couple games that were the most meaningful and just like kellen said you know the the inability to uh go on scoring runs and put points on the board on a consistent basis so it's just all the wrong things that you don't want to see around this time of year. Yeah, so my thoughts now that the season has wrapped up is when I'm looking at coaching, what I want to see is progress. And 
when you look at the win-loss column, it doesn't appear that this team made any progress. But when you really get into the nuances of the game, I think they did, right? I think Jawan and maybe Phil Martelli, you know, had his hand in some of this. I mean, of course, the assistants did as well, but Jawan's the head guy. So he's the guy you're evaluating. At the beginning of the year on offense, they were stagnant. They were playing a lot of one-on-one ball. They would post up Hunter. They had a little pick and roll from the from the shoulder they would do. But but typically everybody on offense was standing around and it was really easy to defend this team. One thing that I like that they did was they started, it's a very subtle thing and I don't know how many people noticed this. They started to do this little like three-man weave at the top of the key with, with Doug McDaniel, Jet Howard, and Kobe Bufkin. And it was almost like just to get the, the, the offense started, they, they got the ball in three different guys' hands. And I, I got to believe that was a, uh, an intentional coaching move j- just to make the defense work a little bit. And then, Matt, you mentioned some struggles de- uh, defending in the paint. And, of course, rebounding. I mean, there was that god-awful uh, first Wisconsin game where we gave up like 100 million offensive rebounds, right? But, but then, uh, you know, what did we see this coaching staff do? They started to work in um, this Twin Towers lineup with Terrace Reed and Hunter Dickinson. And so... And, and what we saw at the end of the season was we were competing with a lot of really good teams and we just weren't getting over the hump and winning. And so I think when you assess Michigan basketball, it, it, the, the coaches stayed creative. They, they, they put the team in a position to win. And, and at the end of the day, a lot of the youth on this team uh, showed at the end. And, and there's just a lot of what if moments. I'll always remember this as the what if team like what if we didn't blow that lead to Iowa what if we didn't lose to Central Michigan what if we didn't drop consecutive overtime games you know but but uh now it's it's just come down to what if we were were not in the, the NIT tournament so um let's let's you know look a little bit at the question that's on everybody's mind which is who's gonna stay and who's gonna go and of course there there's two ways that you can lose guys in today's day and age you can lose guys to the draft well I should say three ways because graduation is always you know a, right. out of yeah. out of eligibility is always uh, one but for sure you can lose guys to the draft you can lose guys to the portal and so let's start with the draft we've got uh jet Howard Hunter Dickinson Kobe Bufkin uh Kellen tell us who do you think is is coming back if any? And and who do you think is leaving? I, I have no I have no intel on this. I have no sourcing on this. I'm this is just purely off of what I've seen this season. I would guess that Jet and Kobe are going to the draft, and Dickinson is staying. Um, Jet always seemed like an NBA guy the entire season long. You know he has inconsistencies. He doesn't rebound or play defense at all. That's going to need to change at the NBA level. But um, the way he's able to create his own shot, the way he can shoot off the catch, the way he can score at all three levels with his length, being 6'8", you know, there's always going to be a place in the NBA for guys who are 6'8 and can hit threes. It is very, very floor. He can be a, you know, the, the, the worst he can possibly be in the NBA is a Jay Crowder type who comes in for a contender, makes threes, uses length on defense ideally to hopefully improve in that area. Uh, but, the, but the floor, you know, is a guy who can be a primary ball ball handler and a primary shot creator for you. So that just with the potential alone and the fact that he's an NBA son is probably going to get him close to the lottery in the draft. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but Kobe Bufkin's improvement this year, if there was a most improved player award for the Big Ten, Kobe would would win it by a landslide, I think. You know, he was a guy who was their ninth, tenth man, almost didn't play at all last year to – now he's probably their most reliable guy late in the second halves of these games. He kind of had a little bit of Eli Brooks vibes with some of the clutch shots he was able to hit late in these games and stuff. He, he can drive to the basket really well. Um, he actually, uh, Clayton Safey with the Wolverine had a stat about this with Synergy. He actually had uh, the highest um, make percentage at the rim out of anybody in the Big Ten, and that includes Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis. So, like, the, the efficiency there, the three-point stroke, the ability to create your own shot and the improvements, I think he should capitalize off those improvements and get drafted. And he'd probably go 20th, 25th overall, something like that. And then with Hunter, I Hunter just seems like a guy who loves being in college and seems like a guy who loves, you know, being the big man on campus, having his podcast. And, and, and to be quite honest, if he were to go in the draft, I'm not sure he would get drafted. Maybe end of the second round, like a Luca Garza type, where he's, you know, coming off the – you know, coming off the bench and as a center who can do well offensively, but has some limits defensively. 
I think he's probably coming back, and you know, this this is kind of his senior year, the senior moment with him. I I would guess that's that's where it would go, and they'd probably lose a few guys in the transfer portal as well. But we'll get into that later, I bet. Matt, what do you think, man? Who's who's gonna stay and who's gonna go? I'm kind of exactly aligned with Kellen on this. I think despite the fact that Jet could uh, obviously use a little bit more development, I think the ceiling for that kid is just too high as far as what the NBA is looking for. I know that uh, both him and Kobe, uh, Kobe's development over this past year are going to be pretty highly sought after in today's NBA game. And I think both of those guys are going to generate a lot of interest. And I just think that Hunter, we haven't seen enough from him as far as a difference in, in things that have kept him out of other previous drafts. You know what I mean? So I think that there's just still some work to do on Hunter as far as what the NBA is looking for. And I think that the NBA is going to jump all over guys like uh, Jet, regardless of if he can still improve in college or not. And uh, Kobe with all of his improvements over the last year. Yeah, with, with Hunter, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. When his first, after his freshman year, when he tested the waters in the draft, NBA teams told him he needed to improve his three-point shot and he needed to move better laterally on defense. I haven't seen much of a defensive improvement. I think he's improved a little bit as a rim protector, but in the three years that he's been on the team, Michigan, like, like Matt said, Michigan hasn't exactly been a great team in the paint, offensively or defensively, unless he's cooking in the post. And um, his three-point stroke is there. He'll he'll hit one or two a game and do that stupid little celebration that everybody hates him for. But um, I, I think he still needs improvements there and improvements in his mid-range shot to actually be considered as an NBA NBA prospect. So, And the other thing to note with Kobe is that NBA teams are definitely paying attention to. He's the youngest guy on Michigan's roster. He's basically a freshman this year. And so to be able to make that step from last year and to see the potential of what, what happens if he continues to progress like this, I think he's he's an obvious NBA guy. So Yeah, I was kind of hoping that we were going to be yelling at each other like Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless over here, but I actually agree. Whoa. I agree exactly with both of you on on who's going to stay and who's going to go, and, and, and here's why. I mean, Hunter Dickinson, the thing that's holding him back is just that he was born in the wrong decade, right? Like if this dude was a, a 90s or 80s basketball player, He's a first round NBA draft pick, but the problem is the professional game is not played like it like it used to be, right? The these guys um at 7 feet tall are highly skilled perimeter players. Uh Dickinson can pass, which actually is good. Um you know, that makes him a little bit more attractive, maybe a late second round pick, but yeah, he kind of just reminds me of you know, you mentioned Kellen uh Luca Garza, and I think of these guys, you think back to like Tyler Hansbro and yeah, all of the Zellers that played. I don't even I can't keep track of how many Zellers there were, but like these guys that are just like you think of them as like great college basketball players, but their game doesn't really translate to the pros. And I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope that I hope that Hunter Dickinson finds his place in, in professional basketball, but it does feel like he's kind of destined to be one of those four year college studs that's just kind of a legend and and racks up all the career records at Michigan and um, you know, I, I backed my way into uh, kind of a depressing situation yesterday. I was watching this Texas game and I, I was watching this guard, Marcus Carr, who was just tearing it up. And, yeah. I, and I was like, man, I wonder if this dude's getting any draft love. And, I, you know, so I went to uh, a site called NBADraft.net and it just had some mm -hmm. mock drafts and, and they had Kobe Bufkin at 14th overall in this mock draft. And I, I was, I, that's, wow. the, that's the highest I had seen him. And I was like, and, and I'm, I kid about being depressed. Of course, I want Kobe to go on and have a successful career. But it's just like, as a Michigan fan, you're like, man, if he's, if he's going to be projected that high in the draft, there's no way this kid is going to stick around. And then sure enough, Jet Howard was sitting at 17. And so it's like, all right, you know, we got these two like, guys that are pushing like the lottery level of the draft and uh here we are sitting on the outside looking in in march um but you know there's some things to be to be hopeful about but before we get to maybe what next year's team might look like let's talk about the transfer portal there there's some guys that make you know obvious uh transfer decisions and then there might be some surprises last year we got a little bit surprised by frankie collins i know when 
when Jalen Llewellyn came in, uh, Frankie uh, left quick. So hopefully we the don't. The next day. The next day. Yeah. The next day. So it was, yeah. it was very highly correlated, right? That was not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that sticks out to me is obviously Terrence Williams. We've, we've seen his uh, minutes and production uh, plummet this season. And so let's start with T-Will. But uh, Kellen, is there anybody else uh, that you're also keeping an eye on? Yeah, I mean, T-Will, you hate to make the obvious comparison, but it, there's a lot of Brandon Johns vibes with T-Will, right? Like, he, he, he's this role player who is, is one of their probably their better interior defenders and rebounders, but doesn't give you a whole lot offensively and kind of struggled to get a rhythm going. It seemed like he kind of struggled with confidence at times this year, and the benching certainly doesn't help with that. So, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised by that, but I also, he also feels like a four-year guy that, you know, he's – He's tight with Hunter, played growing up with Hunter, and, and and him and Doug are all from the DMV area. So I wouldn't be surprised if he stays. My semi-surprise for the transfer portal would be Will Cheddar. Um, I think that Will Cheddar, you know, the, the Michigan never really figured out the four this year. And while Will Cheddar was starting towards the end of the year, you know, Terrence Williams getting a lot of those minutes. Terrence Reeves getting a lot of those minutes at the four. Yusuf Kayet's basically a four and is going to get those minutes too. And then one of the 2023 commits coming in is Papa Conte is probably projected as a four. So if I'm Will Cheddar and I'm looking at this roster and I'm saying, I don't know where my playing time fits in, I start looking at, you know, could I get a starting role in a mid-major? Could I get a could I get a bigger role in the A10 or in the Mountain West? Or he's from Minnesota, so maybe like something in closer to like the Minnesota, Wisconsin, one of those smaller schools in there. I love the effort he puts on the floor. I love his bat. He has a super high basketball IQ. He's a, he's a pretty decent offensive rebounder, but he doesn't give you a whole lot else. He was billed as a shooter, didn't really shoot the ball very well. Billed as a great defensive guy, struggled with fouls and. Smart teams like Michigan State hunted him and, and basically got him out of the game. I, I love the effort we saw out of him, but him just in those bit roles, I, I don't think that he wants that, I would say. And so I would say he's the most obvious guy to transfer. Matt, what do you think? You know, I think, um, uh, honestly, there might be some turnover at uh, guard. And I think... You know, primarily some of that is is due to some of the guys coming in from, you know, recruiting, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into that as well. But I'd be interested to see that. I think T. Will is kind of the obvious odd man out. You know, he's a guy that would generate uh, certainly a little bit of buzz in the transfer portal. And uh, I think there's another role for him out there that's bigger than what he has now at Michigan. So... You know, we'll see. I honestly, after uh, after the performance of this season, I I don't know how much buzz uh, any of them would generate in the transfer portal. So, I'd say one of them goes. I'd say one of T. Will or or Cheddar goes, and then the other one probably stays because they know they then have a bigger role with the other guy going. And I would say that seems. Like, it yeah. seems it seems like based on the trend line. You know, T. Will is is plummeting while Cheddar. I mean, he he started like a, a large majority of the final games. It it feels like Cheddar may be, um, you know, maybe feeling pretty good about his position on this team. I it it's hard to believe that Jawan and the staff won't go get a four in the transfer portal. Go get like a power forward. Um, and so that might that might play into T. Will and Cheddar and what they do. And then of course. Uh, Yo-Yo, right? We don't really know how Yo-Yo is gonna gonna mix in, how much he's gonna play, but um, it's a weird day and age in college basketball because uh, Brandon Johns is still playing, Zeb Jackson is still playing, David DeJulius and Colin Castleton and Frankie Collins, like these guys that we all know from Michigan basketball are are still playing, and and many of them will be playing in March, which which hurts a little extra. And so it feels like we need to hit the transfer portal, especially with, um, I don't want to say a bad draft uh, recruiting class coming in. It's actually a good recruiting class. It's just small. It's two guys, right? Uh, 247 has has this class ranked as, I think, the 40th best class. Um, It might be the best, the number one class in the country as far as names go. We've got George Washington III, and Papa Conte. Kellen, I know you've done a lot of research on these two guys. And so what do you like about, about these guys? And maybe uh, who, do you, who do you compare them to? Some names that we might be familiar with. For sure. For sure. I mean, there's obvious Michigan comparisons to both guys. Uh, George Washington, you guys are going to love George Washington. I just had an interview go up with him last week. 
he's phenomenal. He's he's a great kid. The the the, the uh, student section at Michigan is going to love this kid. He's electric the way he plays. I'd compare him to a mix between Eli Brooks and Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman. Right? He can hit those. T- he's he's a little undersized, six two six three, but he can hit those tough shots. He can score from all three levels. He kind of brings the energy factor to everything. Like when you watch his games, he's always talking, always you know talking on defense, always you know hyping up his teammates, hyping up himself when he goes in these scoring runs. And um, he's hitting a lot of these clutch shots late in games. And uh, he's a little bit like Mar because of his three point ability and his ability to slash uh, when the defense you know uh, with the teeth of defense on, on swinging routes and stuff like that. I, I I really like him as a recruit. I wish he was a little bit bigger, but I think that he you know he's exactly what Michigan needs: another guard who can handle the ball, who can who can go and get a bucket. Uh, Conti's uh, probably a lot like Musa, I'd say. You know, he he probably has a better face up game and and and, and projects as a four. Uh, than Musa did. He's he's not as good defensively, but he's you know he's very very solid offensively. Has a nice post up game. Has a nice mid range game. Um, and he's gonna he's gonna fit into that mold of Musa and Terrace Reed, where it's like you could see him with other bigs. I could see him playing with Terrace down the line very very well. Um, it's kind of two guys they really need when you look at their roster. You know, the, if you looked at last year's team, you're like, okay, we need another option at the four, and we need another scoring guard. And so those two guys kind of fit that role. Yes, they're going to be freshmen coming in, and that comes with growing pains. But if they go through a similar development to what we saw at Doug McDaniel and Terrace Reed this past year, that's going to tremendously help this team. So, yeah, I I really like both those guys. And then Washington's team is now in the final four of the Ohio um, State Championship. So he's two wins away from winning a state championship in Ohio. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. But they're both very solid players. That's always good for a guard, right? Like I, I love mm-hmm. when guards are leading their teams to championships. So for for whatever reason, that just feel, yeah. feels like they have more of an impact on those like leadership mm-hmm. late runs. Where whereas a big guy, like if his team's not great, but he's just crazy skilled and athletic, it's like okay, I'm not I'm not as worried about how his team's doing in the postseason. Uh, I guess my question for you, Kellen, would be. Uh, are either of these guys ready to play on day one? You know, I, I, I'm specifically thinking about Papa Conte kind of sliding in at the four spot because you can't have Hunter and Terrace on the on the floor all the time, right? Like we need no. we need another guy down there, especially in the Big Ten. Are these guys ready to go? I think Washington is, and Conte. It's it's hard to project that right now, right? I think Washington probably is just because of his ability to score and his ability to 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 help run an offense pretty well. And Michigan's going to need guards next year, especially if Kobe leaves. So I think he's the guy that plugs in more. Probably plays right next to Doug, and and that's your and that's your backcourt of the future if Kobe leaves. Conte probably is is a little more raw and probably needs a little bit more time to develop. But yeah, he can eventually grow into one of those fours and fives you can throw out there. When Hunter's in foul trouble, when Terrace is in foul trouble, give you a two big look. Matt has his hand raised. So what, what were you, what were you Kellen, what would? Uh, how do you envision the um, the Michigan guard position to look next year if we see McDaniel, Llewellyn, Washington all fighting for minutes in this lineup? That's interesting. Um, I think a lot of people forget that Llewellyn has another year of eligibility if he wants it. You know. Uh, Michigan specifically made a point not to include him in a lot of the senior night stuff and a lot of the going away stuff that Joey Baker got. But, um, yeah, I, I'd say that Washington probably comes off the bench and is your sixth man that can kind of run the unit and, and, and be be the guy that's taking a lot of shots but also, like, facilitating the guys. That's kind of the role he plays right now for his Ohio team. So I'd say you start Llewellyn and McDaniel together. Yes. And you, and you put – and you have Washington be your first guy off the bench. It's kind of a small group, but they all kind of fit pretty well together if you're looking at the future of Michigan's backcourt. And there is a world where Kobe returns. And if Kobe returns, you just start this this backcourt you did last year, and then you get Llewellyn and Washington coming off the bench. A, a, a senior guard who's been there before with a freshman who can learn alongside of him. That's an incredible pairing if Michigan can somehow convince Kobe to stay. So, Well, if Kobe stays, then Llewellyn might leave, right? Like, I, I forget, how many times can these guys transfer as grad transfers? Can he just... I mean, it's, it's, it's essentially as, as much as they want. Yeah. Um, as, long as, as long as the paperwork all fits and as, as, long, as, as long as all that other classes transfer over and all that kind of a thing. You know, we, we've seen guys play on three teams, four teams, five teams. I, I, I don't know if Llewellyn would leave. He doesn't really have a ton. Obviously, he has his tape from Princeton, but at this point, that's two or three years old. 
and he doesn't have a ton of Michigan tape out there, and and with his torn ACL, he's still going to be rehabbing into November, December. So I mean, if he if he finds a place where he can plug right in and, and a team that's willing to be patient with him, sure. But just being able to plug in at Michigan and, and, and be connected with this team, he was really tight with these guys, it seemed like. So I, I, I don't see him leaving, but it also, you know, in this day and age of the transfer portal, it wouldn't surprise me if anybody on this roster transferred. So that's a good point. The injury does, I mean, it plays into things, right? Like he's not, he's not exactly yeah. going to be walking into like the starting lineup at like North Carolina or something, you know, like it, it's, it's definitely, uh, it would, he would probably have to take a step back either way. And so I think you hit the nail on the head though, Kellen, if, if, if uh, Kobe leaves, you pretty much got to slide Jalen Lowell into that two guard spot because this is Doug's team now. I mean, I, I really yeah. like it feels like this is Doug's team. Like, how do you how do you bench a guy that played like he did this season? It just feels like uh, Doug McDaniel and Terrace Reed are destined to play four years together. I'm 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 hopeful of that. And yeah, the sky is the limit for this team if they do. Oh yeah, I mean, and those two guys are roommates. They're super tight. They they play really really well together, and they both had times where their standout performances helped Michigan win games. You know, Michigan's arguably their best win of the year is their home win against Michigan State, and they don't win that game without Doug or without Terrace. You know, Doug had the quick seven point run and actually led Michigan in scoring in that game, and Terrace came off the bench and grabbed like fifteen offensive rebounds and was just all over the place and dominating Joey Hauser and Malik Hall in the paint, and you know. I I love Terrace Reed as as a as a as a player. He's he's my he's I I've had a soft spot for him ever since I did the feature with him about how he's a saxophone player and got a saxophone in his NIL deal. He's just he's just a great guy. He's a quirky guy. He rebounds the hell out of the ball. And as exciting as this team to watch is to watch with Hunter Dickinson as good as he is, I'm kind of excited for what post Dickinson life is like when we can hand Terrace Reed the keys to the starting five and give him more time to be a role man, to be a rim jumper, to be to, to see what he can do in these post-up games. Because he's got a nice little hook shot too. So I, I love both those guys from Michigan. I hope they stay as long as possible. Well, you know, you, you give us a lot of reason to be hopeful. I think this is what every Michigan yeah. basketball fan was looking for us you know out of this episode we're talking a little basketball and things don't look that bad right like i think we're still trending trending in the right direction um let's go ahead and transition to a segment that i just have a feeling is going to be one of my favorite segments this is actually the first show first show we're ever going to do this on and i love this because it just feels like i'm honored yeah Feels like a stupid game you would play at recess with your buddies when you're in like the fifth grade or something. That's what I love about this. So we're going to call this Would You Rather? And this is the uh, the world of hypotheticals, right? It can be sports okay. related. It doesn't it doesn't really necessarily have to be. Um, and so it's very simple. You just ask, would you rather scenario A happen or scenario B happen? And, and Kellen, I'm going to let you do the honors because you're you're our our guest on the show. Do you have a would you rather scenario locked and loaded for us? Oh boy, um, man, off the top of my head, this is this is tough. Um, I guess would you rather Michigan prioritizes the two big lineup of Dickinson and Reed and plays that lineup more often, or would you rather? Michigan goes out and gets another four stretch four type who's kind of the opposite of Reed to play more of that four spot. You know, ideally you'd think that Williams or Cheddar would would develop into that, but if they don't, would you prefer the two big lineup or to add another guy into the mix there? I guess would be the first one I could think of. Matt, how do you feel about that? Uh, see, I'm torn because I love the Twin Towers uh, lineup and whole dynamic of it. I think that those two guys' uh, skill sets coupled together, Dickinson and Terrace Reed, uh, they, they're they electric. I think they bring a lot of things that you want to see to Michigan basketball. But every time we do that, we spread ourselves so thin in the lineup that immediately follows that that it drives me crazy sometimes. But, uh, I mean, there's a lot to love about it. I love the Twin Towers, like I said. So, I mean, I would honestly, I'd probably lean more towards seeing more of it just because uh, I just feel like it gets some juices going in that team, you know, and uh, it's it's uh, 
there's not too much of that going around this season. So I'd like yeah, to see it should more only, of it. It should only be used in spurts, right? It shouldn't be a lineup that they gets 30 minutes, 35 minutes a game just because of the, you know, Terrace had issues with free throws all year long. His stroke got a lot better as the season got along, but he, that, you know, smart teams just start to foul him. They play very well offensively together. Uh, I think the most underrated part of Terrace Reed's game is his defense. You know, not many guys in the Big Ten can say they can guard both Chris Murray and Trace Jackson Davis, but he managed to do both this season. And his lateral quickness makes up for a lot of the flaws that Hunter has defensively, similar to what we saw with Musa last year. So I, I think that Jawan's pro- if, if both guys come back, I think Jawan's probably going to use that lineup more often and see where he can, you know, maybe use it at the end of the first half. Maybe use it coming out of a timeout, run set plays out of it. I, I think he'd love using it in those little spurts in the second half. I just, I want to see them get a little less predictable with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to go opposite of Matt here. I'm going to pick, uh, I, I would rather see us go go get a four. Um, you know, yeah. and the reason why is, is it gives us more options and versatility, uh, down the stretch. It's kind of a loophole to your question because, because in, in the, the scenario where we go get a four, it, we still have the twin towers lineup kind of waiting as needed. Right. And so, it, uh, you know, do we need to prioritize the twin towers lineup? Not necessarily. Is it something that we can keep in our back pocket? Absolutely. We got we got teams in the Big Ten that have uh, other Twin Tower style lineups, and I think it's it's useful to be able to play guys like that. Mike's cheating with his answer. Yeah, so I so my answer is both. I'm cheating right off right <laughs> off the bat. Yeah, uh, you gave me you gave me one right off the top of my head. I was trying to I was trying to get a good one in there, but that was a good yeah. one. Matt, you got any would you rather scenarios for us? I got one, and it's actually really like a trifecta scenario for you guys. Oh, boy. Uh, so, would you rather... You get to pick two, right? Of okay. the tripod of Jet, Kobe, Dickinson. You get to keep two for next year. Who would you rather keep of your two-person combination coming back for next year? Man, that's hard, Kellen. Do you, do you have your answer ready to go? I think I, I think I do. I want to be different, but I feel like this is the obvious one. I, I want Kobe and Hunter to come back. Um, they were the two main shot creators. They were the two main options late in games. With the improvements of Kobe and and with Hunter, you know, those can be your two leaders on this team. I love the the potential of Jet. I love the idea of Jet. I love the little scoring burst he had like against Iowa. But at the end of the day, if we really want to get into the nitty gritty and get harsh with it, I don't think Jet Howard was the reason Michigan won a lot of games this past year. You know, in a vacuum, he's got incredible talent and I'm sure he's going to succeed in the NBA because of the traits that he has. But there were way too many times late in these games where he just didn't didn't play well. Didn't shoot the ball well. Didn't look like he wanted the ball very much, and that's concerning. And I, I you know, yes, he is a freshman. Yes, it takes time with, with that kind of a thing. But if it's just for next year and the future of of Michigan, give me Hunter and give me Kobe, and let them continue to develop the two man game that they started to develop late in the year. Yeah, I'm going to start by defending Jet a little bit because I, you know we it's easy to forget that that he's a freshman, right? And you alluded to that, Kellen. Like this was his first year playing college basketball. Most dudes that are his age, first year playing college basketball, they're sitting on the bench just like waiting, waiting to see if they get a chance. And Jet Howard like stepped up and scored like 30 points in the exhibition game, and then just started draining threes at a high percentage early and often, and. Uh, I, I, you know, he's got a little Tracy McGrady kind of swag about his game. Like he, he's going to be a really yeah. good, really good offensive player. But the reason why I would also pick Kobe and Hunter is defense, right? I mean, right. K- Kobe is a, a, a an elite perimeter defender, and Hunter Dickinson is a presence down low, and and he has uh, all the confidence in the world down low, and knows how to position his body on the defensive side of the ball. And then, and then of course, Kobe and Hunter are both uh, really good offensive players as well. And so I would go with Kobe and Hunter as well. But man, Matt, that was a great question, dude. That, that, was a, that, that, is, that was, that's a really tough answer. 
It is, right? You know, you think about because especially like you take when you take into account Jet's youth, he does have potentially a lot more to offer this team other than what we've seen. Obviously, I take into account also in my own personal decision, if I'm answering my own question, the fact that he struggled with injuries a lot this year too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm if I'm being honest, I'd probably go the same route with my answer, but yeah, definitely uh Kobe and Dickinson. Mike, what do uh what do you got? All right, guys, I got a fun one here. We're going to go professional basketball. We're going pro blue, Michigan pros. Okay. <clears throat> and neither one of these are going to happen this season and and neither one of these are likely ever going to happen. So, we're just we're going extreme hypotheticals here, but what would you rather happen before their careers end? Trey Burke come in off the bench and hit a game-winning shot in Game 7 of the Finals to win an NBA championship, <laughs> or Jordan Poole winning league MVP in a season? I think I'd, I think I'd go with Poole. Because I think the one moment with Trey Burke would be awesome, but if he were to develop into a league MVP, there'd be so many moments that would, you know, they there'd be over the course of the season, and then his team would probably be in a position to win the championship anyway. So that's a really good question, but I would say I would say pool. I would lean towards that. You Matt? really, uh, you really piqued my interest with that one with the Trey Burke shot. <laughs> I have to admit, uh, because I, I think anyone would love to see that for Trey to uh, hit another clutch three pointer to uh, to just make a, an amazing career moment for him. You know, he deserves so much just being the great Michigan Wolverine that he was. But uh, I would have to go with. Uh, with witnessing some Jordan Poole greatness of achieving something like that. Anything like that is great for Michigan, just period. You know, it's great for Jordan Poole, but it's also great for uh, Michigan reputation. You know what I mean? That's something that us Michigan fans will brag about for for years to the rival fans on Twitter and shit like that. So I don't know uh, if a Michigan guy's ever been even close to I'd go with Jordan Poole, definitely. No, no, I'm trying trying to rack my brain. I guess the closest would probably be Chris Weber, but I, I don't unless yeah. there's somebody I'm forgetting. I don't think that anybody's ever come well, close to that. So that would be super. You gotta cool, go back yeah. to like you gotta go back to like Rudy Tomjanovich and like those guys. Oh, but yeah. it's like but like I I don't think we've ever had an MVP. I like I I I really don't. Um and I don't think we've ever had a game winning shot in game seven of the finals either, but I'd have to No, no. Yeah. yeah. yeah Trey, Trey Burks Trey Burks play won the Mavericks a couple of games in the bubble a few years ago. Like when yeah. he came in, in the in the game four against the against the Clippers, he he won him a game. That was really exciting to see. So I I would love more of Trey Burke in any capacity. You know. So I I I, I was tempted to say that shot just because of the legend of, of Trey Burke's shots, you know, the Kansas shot and all these moments of Trey Burke just pop right into your head when you think about Michigan basketball. But yeah, and that's why that that question's so emotionally loaded for me too. You look at the Louisville championship game with Trey Burke and the one that we like. It just feels like that would be a kind of a redemption of sorts. But the Jordan Poole MVP conversation, like granted, that's that's a stretch, but it does look like he's on the verge of perhaps becoming a perennial all-star, depending on, you know, Clay Thompson and and Steph Curry. So either way, a man can dream. But you know, both of those yeah, are yeah. Bo- both of those are fun things to think about. But uh, how about some- how about Trey Burke gets traded to the Detroit Pistons and hits uh, the game seven three to win or to win the uh, the championship? I'll take that over Jordan Poole. How about that? There you go. I wouldn't Pit- want. I wouldn't want Trey Burke to suffer on this Pistons team. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you're so right. That wouldn't be fun for me. Uh, well, he's on the Rockets game. right now. I think he got traded from the Mavs to the Rockets. It, I, like I didn't even realize that until right before the show. I thought he was still on the Mavs, but so he might he might be happy to go to the to the Pistons. Would you say Would you say that Poo, here's a? It, it's kind of in the vein of Would you rather? But who do you think ends up with more All Stars, Jordan Poole or Franz Wagner? Oh my God, that is such a good question. Well, Franz has probably got to get out of Orlando. Um, I don't know if he does. When you watch the t- like him and Paolo yeah, kind of work well together. Yeah, they're trending. <laughs> they're trending in the right direction. They're trending. Um, they're trending in the right direction if they continue to improve and and pick up some guys. Like 
I don't know. Like, Orlando's an attractive city for free agents to come to, and if they continue to, you know, build up the young teams like you saw with, like, the Clippers and the Nets a few years ago, like. Yeah, that, that's close, you know. I I think Jordan Poole is, is uh, closer to being on right. his way to, be, yeah. to being considered an all-star just because he's got the ring, he's the attention of Golden State and Clay and Steph, yeah. you know. I feel like Wagner is just slept on in that draft class, actually. Everybody talks about Scotty Barnes and Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, but like Wagner, I, I think he's the second leading scorer in that draft class right now. So yeah. if the world if the world wakes up to Franz, then uh yeah, it could it could very well be him. But I, I can't even answer that question. It's a coin flip. I, I don't know about you guys. Flip. I loved I loved Franz in college. I never expected Franz to be what he's being in the NBA right now. I thought he Same. was going to be more of a Duncan Robinson, like shoot some threes off the bench and kind of create in the second unit, but be limited elsewhere. I never thought I'd see him like closing games and taking shots late in games. That is awesome to see. I really saw him very much like uh, like Luke Kennard once he reached the yeah. uh, the NBA yeah. kind of, and he's he's definitely exceeded expectations to that point. Easily, easily. Well, guys, we've got some uh, some real March Madness college basketball coming down the pipeline. Uh, for anybody listening to the show, we actually recorded this before Selection Sunday, so we don't know exactly who's in and who's out. But you know, we can be pretty confident that that uh, Michigan it will be heading to the NIT, not not the Big Dance. But um, we're still going to fill out some brackets. We're still going to make some predictions. So I want to know, um, starting with Kellen. Who do you see in the final four? And of course, this could change because they might these teams might end up in different parts of the bracket. But without seeing a bracket, who are your final four teams? I pulled up my phone because I keep a list of teams I like watching in college basketball when Michigan's not on. So I, I have a I have a list of of potential teams that I, I think uh obvious one is Houston. I think Houston's probably the best team in the country. Uh Jamal Shedd does a great job running the point for them. Uh, Kelvin Sampson's an incredible coach. They have a top 10 pick in Jarris Walker. That team just defends. They've been there before. They, they've, they've been up, up the rise. I think that they're an obvious candidate. I think Alabama, you know, Brandon Miller on the court is, is incredible to watch in the ball creation stuff. Like he's probably a top three, maybe even top two pick in the draft. And that, that whole squad is built really well. They're built kind of like the Houston Rockets shoot a lot of threes and just get layups, no mid range shots. Um, I really like them. Kansas is very good. Hopefully, Bill Self is healthy for the NCAA tournament. But that that squad's really deep with J, uh, Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick, and seeing them repeat wouldn't surprise me. And then I guess it's kind of a sleeper. They'll be in the four five range. I really like Xavier. You know, they got their butt kicked uh, by Marquette last night. But Sean Miller is an excellent coach. Colby Jones is probably an end of the first round guy. And I like Xavier because, you know, Sean Miller's never been to a Final Four. Xavier's never been to a Final Four. Two very successful parties who have who are, are names in, that you know in college basketball but haven't quite gotten that success. I'd love to see them get over the hump and make a little bit of a run. So I'd say that's my four. Houston, Arizona, Kansas, and Xavier. Matt, who do you see going to the Final Four? Very nice, Kellen. I also have uh, Houston uh, kind of as my best team in the country, in my opinion. I think it's just irresponsible to leave them out of any Final Four projection. Uh, I think they're incredible. I mean, six and one, I think it is, against quad one opponents. Uh, And then you also mentioned Alabama. Houston and Alabama are my two obvious picks to get into the Final Four. Alabama, I think they're even crazier. They're like, uh, they've got 10, 10 wins against the quad one this uh, this year. So Alabama wow. and Houston are in there. Yeah, they're like 10 and 5, I think. I didn't realize what it's that I, many. Holy yeah, yeah, 10 and 5. Yeah, that's good for them. They've got more more losses, obviously, than Houston, but a lot of uh, notable victories on there. And then I've got the opposite of Xavier here. I've got Marquette. Uh, who actually okay. just defeated Xavier to win that conference title. I think that that team's getting hot right around the right time. And uh, my sleeper here, just kind of for shits and giggles, I've got Oral Roberts, um, and it's just because they've won like an ungodly amount of games. I think they've won like 17 in a row or something like that. 
a perfect summit run. So I think it'd be interesting to see. And you know, a, a random team always sneaks into uh, sneaks into the final four. So that's kind of my random pick. But uh, I got to say, I feel pretty good about those four. Man, Oral Roberts in the final four. That's a that's a <laughs> bold strategy, Matt. You know, yeah, I know. And, and and you know, I could see maybe Sweet Sixteen, maybe even Elite Eight, but uh Final Four is that's pretty bold. And, and you're talking when they beat Ohio State a few years ago, that was a great day. Uh-huh. I was watching that live, watching them crumble and Max Abe's miss hitting shots out of nowhere. Oh, they got steamrolled earlier this season, I think, by Houston. It was pretty bad. Uh but I th- no. I think that uh that that they'll make a pretty uh, notable. Maybe they run. can rematch in the final four and and, and and you know get their revenge. I think maybe they get steamrolled maybe in a rematch against Houston in the final or or against uh, another good team once they get maybe to like the elite eight or sweet sixteen. Yeah. But it'd be cool to see a team like that, a story like that, get to the final four again. It always is. Yeah. Well, Matt, you said leaving Houston out of your final four would be irresponsible. And uh, so you can just call me irresponsible. And I, and, and, and I can tell you what, this isn't the first time I've been called irresponsible. That's for damn sure. Um, you know, I actually got to see Houston play in, in person in the Elite Eight uh, in San Antonio last year. Oh, cool. And, and Hakeem Olajuwon was there. And, the, you know, it was, it was like a very cool experience. And they're, they're very good. Um, the, I, I just got a little scared about this groin injury uh, that one of their dudes just sustained and i was like yeah. i was like you know yeah. what a, a a final four run for a team that might be a little banged up that you know that's tough it leaves them vulnerable so i you know I, i'm gonna start off by picking kansas that's the number one overall overall um seed projection uh a team that i like that's a little bit of a dark horse is tennessee uh, they're expected to be probably in that three or four range uh seed wise but if you look at the at the net rankings i, I think they're fourth in the country so they're as far as the net rankings go uh you know tennessee is right up there um i'm gonna pick purdue you know i just have a weird feeling that purdue's gonna gonna find their way into the final four i don't know i i don't know why i you know it's just this like nagging feeling that purdue's gonna go on a run in this tournament so I'm, i'm gonna put them in as well and then uh if if i'm gonna put kansas in I might as well put Texas in because Texas just okay. dismantled Kansas. So I so I'm really leaning towards the Big 12 this year. We I got Texas, Kansas, Purdue, and Tennessee. That's that's solid. That's solid. Yeah. I I just as a as an aside from all of this. I don't I I don't know if a Big 10 team makes the second weekend. If I'm being honest, <laughs> yeah. Just, just watching, just watching this league all year long, where anybody could beat anybody, it made for an entertaining product. But I mean, Purdue's obviously got the talent; they're the most likely to get there. Penn State's hotter than hell right now, and maybe they, maybe they shoot their way into a, a, a bit of a run. But it's just, it, it's, it, I could just see another year where people are are looking at the at the at this second weekend and saying, "Oh, there's one Big Ten team here. Isn't that crazy?" Like I, I could see that happening. Unfortunately, I, I just, what do you guys think? What Big Ten? What Big Ten team do you like to make a little bit of a run? I like Michigan to make a run in the NIT tournament. I <laughs> I, I hope I hope that uh, all the Big Ten teams get knocked out in the first or second weekend, and then Michigan is still playing basketball past all of them that would be that would be just like the, yeah. the little silver lining in, in, in i don't March. know if you could brag about that too much but yeah yeah <laughs> no you could I, I would brag about it but i'm sure sparty fans would be all all up in my mentions on that one matt what big 10 i could probably like see uh i could maybe see you know penn state another team that's getting hot at the right time i like indiana a little bit but much like you guys i had a lot of trouble uh, putting any Big Ten team past any point of notoriety in this exercise. So I uh, I looked, I tried to find one. Purdue, I just really don't see it. I think that they've come close to losing some games this season. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I don't. I think it'll be much like like Kellen was saying, a situation where you look in the second week and. There's like one or two Big Ten teams alive after uh, yeah after everything is said and done. So we'll see. Purdue's interesting, right? Because Purdue could you could you could convince yourself that Purdue wins the wins the title, right? With Zach, Zach he's the Player of the Year, 
They got two really good freshman guards who've been playing their butts off all year long. They got great role guys that that's like like Gillis and and Morton who've been playing really well all year long. And you could see them making a run. Like they this is probably one of Painter's best squads. At the same time, you know, in my head, I'm thinking this whole time it's like you know Matt Painter is has has failed in the tournament time and time again. And I could see this team making a run. I could see this team getting a bad matchup against like NC State in the second round and losing. And that's that's kind of the beauty of March Madness in a way. But I just I don't know what to make of this Purdue team and all, all these Big Ten teams. I've watched them all year long, and it's like I don't know what a lot of these teams are good at. And I don't know if I don't know if I think it might be too late to figure it out. So. Well, we're gonna figure it out soon enough. Selection Sunday is just a few hours away. Uh, Kellen, thank you so much, man. It was nice to meet you. Thanks for for stopping yeah. by the pod. You're welcome back. You're welcome back anytime. We'll definitely have to have you yeah. on again and talk some hoops. Um, yeah, I just want to give you a moment to to let our listeners know where they can find you and and what you're working on. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm at Mason Brew with uh, Matt's my coworker there, and we're doing a lot of great stuff. You know, over at Mason Brew, you know. Uh, we'll have NIT stuff, however far Michigan goes, if they choose to do the NIT. We'll have the women's team, who's who's probably going to be a five or six seed and could make a little bit of a run at the Sweet 16 themselves. Uh, spring football is just around the corner. The spring games in April 1st, and recruiting's get picking up for that. So I we have we have tons of great writers covering all that for Maze and Brew. I would I would go to our site just at mazeandbrew.com. And then if you want to follow my work, uh, the best place to find us on Twitter at Kellen. K-E-L-L-E-N underscore underscore V-O-S-S. I tweet out all articles. I, I, I'll have interviews with recruits and, um, you know, continue to do a lot of off-season content with, with guys getting drafted and that kind of a thing. So, again, thanks so much for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. So, thanks, Kelly. Matt, Matt, any parting words of wisdom? Well, not much, Mike. As usual, the guests and watchers of this show can find anything that I'm doing also at uh, com. We're constantly putting out a lot of great content on there, as well as the socials, which uh, you can find us on Twitter at Brew, uh, or any of the stuff that I'm tweeting out on my personal Twitter handle at Crusader. And guys, as always, if you've made it this far in the show, go ahead and smash that subscribe button so you guys get updated on the Big House Bleachers podcast. We'll have more football, uh, you know, coming up with spring, spring uh, coming up and the big recruiting weekend that Michigan is having right now. Uh, you can find me at WolverineChronicle.com and all of the Wolverine Chronicle social platforms. Um, but that's it for us. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. And as always, go blue. Go blue.